Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. And now we buy stuff because it's a shot show. (laughs) It's true. And we are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, this is episode 146. It is the mystery tour as we are exploring the 2019 SHOT Show in fabulous Las Vegas. And as Dan alluded to, uh, we're buying stuff. What else are we doing? We're visiting with people, catching up with people in the industry that we only get to see when we're here. But uh, what is the SHOT Show for people that have never heard of it? Is it something the public can go to? Like, what is this thing called the SHOT Show? Well, it's about five floors of a large casino, the Mm -hmm. Venetian Mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. And it's only open to people in the trade. So if you don't have an FFL, if you don't have uh, either law enforcement credentials, you can't get in. Mm -hmm. It's strictly business. And uh, you can go there and you can see the latest materials to make firearms, to canvas straps for putting on backpacks for law enforcement, military. It's just everything. But all of the manufacturers, uh, I mean, you you name one, they're here. And they have a booth. Some of the booths are two stories, right? Oh, they're huge. They're bigger than our house. There's like... Colt and Smith and Wesson, Ruger, Keltec had an extremely nice display this year. They keep growing like crazy with new product. Um, there's FN, H, uh, you know, you just name it. There's knife manufacturers, Spyderco, just a ton of them. Uh, everything. Everything. And so this is uh, the annual show that the National Shooting Sports Foundation puts on. It is called the SHOT Show. Uh, SHOT is an acronym, which if I was smart, I would have had written out in front of me. But we are at the end of, man, what is this, day 900? Or or, no, probably just day three that we're sitting here recording this. um, Long days at SHOT Show. Fun days, but long days. Cheryl, it's day checkbook number two. Yeah, no doubt about that. So... um, it's really an incredible event, uh, and I mean, th- you'll see celebrities uh, that come to give, you know, speeches or do book signings or that sort of thing, um, and people that work hard in the industry, other media people, it's just a wonderful time to get a chance to reconnect, and uh, we don't know who you're going to hear on this show. And the reason we don't know who you're going to hear is because we are still working. We're still doing the show for another couple of days. And uh, then we're going to piece this show all together. 
and uh, some people I know I've got an appointment with, but we are all like ferrets on uh, caffeine. We are running in 10 different directions, trying to make our appointments, um, and it's uh, it's an interesting process. Yeah, maybe but you'll get to talk to me sometime. I might, I might. But I will say that uh, one of the people that we did interview and hopefully the audio turned out good and we're going to be able to put it on this show, is a man that we did have on before, Greg Stubbe. He was so, he's just an awesome guy. And we, Cassie and I, our daughter Cassie and I, had a chance to sit in on a seminar he was giving for the executive management uh, seminar about leadership. And he just talked about his experiences as being a Green Beret who was combat wounded and kind of blown up a little bit, <laughs> you know. Uh, he really downplays it, but he had some some really severe injuries, fought his way back to healing, uh, fully restored, uh, but kind of took us on a journey where a lot of stories start where somebody is in a lowly position and then they end up being rocky on the top of the stairs. And his story is almost the exact opposite, where he started out, I'm a Green Beret, I'm the biggest, baddest guy out here, right? And then he gets injured and working his way back to that was a very humbling experience. And going through that uh, really stripped away a lot of that exterior bravado and makes him just the incredible leader that he is today. Well, after meeting him uh, last night, I feel that he's uh, climbed way past the top stair. Yeah, amen to that. All right, well, stick around. We have got a really amazing show. I can say that because I already know a couple of the people that we have interviewed. And if you could see the list of people that I'm hoping to get to interview, uh, you would definitely want to stick around for every single second of this show. And uh, we appreciate you. So right here we go. Right after this break, we will dive right on in to the mystery tour from SHOT Show 2019. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. This is 
Cheryl Todd with Gun Freedom Radio here at the 2019 SHOT Show in fabulous Las Vegas. And I just had the absolute honor of being able to listen to author Greg Stubbe give a talk at the Executive Management Seminar right here at SHOT Show. Now it takes place at the same time as Industry Day at the Range and so uh, you know sometimes you think it's a little hard to choose between going out and shooting great guns or staying in where it's nice and warm and listening to great speakers but I'm going to tell you I made the right decision this year by staying in and coming to this seminar. It was the first time I'd attended it. Now Greg Stubbe is the author of this book right here, Conquer Anything. He is a motivational speaker. He's an advocate for really just being the best human being you could possibly be. Is that a fair assessment? Well, I'd like to think that way. And I like to say tag you're it because a lot has been sacrificed for the freedoms we have. And, and it's a good question to ask, are we living up to that? with the freedom we have and the life we have ahead of us? Are we doing what we can and should with it? Man, that is such a huge question and such a huge challenge to, to all of us because um, a little bit about uh, your backstory, and you'll be able to tell it much better than I will, but you're a Green Beret, right? You were combat injured Green Beret. I had a career in the Army, uh, and about 19 years of it were in the Special Forces. So, as a Green Beret, conflict was our profession. Peace was not. Uh, we look for peace, but, but through those trials, whether it's training for that or, or getting into the, to the thick of it, you start to learn uh, about yourself, and you start to learn about team dynamics, and you learn things about leadership that you can't learn in, in, in uh, more peaceful environments. Uh, so I was honored to have the opportunity to fight for America, for freedom, for everything that I believed in. Thank you for your service. And, and witness the culmination of that training. Face our enemies, fight hard, and come home alive to a grateful nation. So I have a lot to be thankful for. Absolutely. So when I say you were combat injured, we're not talking about a paper cut here. Like, you had a serious, not even just one injury. Could you talk just a little bit about uh, what it was you had to not only physically overcome, right? Because when, you, when you've you been the tough guy, you know, you've been the guy that can, you know, knock down walls, and now you've got to go into recovery mode. That's a whole different mindset, right? Yes, and, and if we're being realistic, if we're, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're not tough. Uh, and I found that out the hard way. Um, many, many people throughout our history have been hurt to degrees far worse than me, and they were killed. And so I can't really lift up my level of injury as though it's a badge of honor. But I can say that, that I learned a lot in having to live up to the commitment that I made. When you write a blank check to serve your country, it could mean up to and including your life. And, and I got to come home alive, so I'm not going to complain about some of the injuries because you can get hurt walking your dog. <laughs> well, that is true. And you are very humble about uh, what it was you went through. But I think that it is important, uh, and you do such a great job of it in your book, Conquer Anything, to kind of take us through uh, your story that so often... Um, you know, these coming-of-age type, you know, you-can-do-it sort of stories, 
uh, start out where somebody's in in sort of a lowly position and then they you know end up being you know rocky on the top of the stairs yours was almost in the opposite right you were rocky on top of the stairs got not to the bottom of the stairs and then it was in that place that you really you learned a lot about yourself you learned a lot about your fellow man you learned a lot about being reliant on other people and that is what truly elevated you and what can elevate all of us thank you for saying that my whole fight would have been easier if i had been humble from the start uh, when you say that I was like Rocky in the beginning and then and then fell from grace, you're not wrong. Uh, but being Rocky in the beginning wound up to be a, a house of cards. It was only my false perception of myself. And, uh, and I think if we want to be strong, if we want to inspire, then we should be as small as we can. And if I had been smaller, recognizing what it is I'm fighting for instead of giving myself so many attributes and so much credit for being a warrior, um, if I had put more love and compassion at the front end, then, then I would have made a better match of what service really is. Well, and then it kind of brings us back to the, the tag your it mindset. Because if you are truly serving, then that is paying something forward, passing something forward, um, doing what you can to impact those around you. Uh, and you were talking a lot about the importance of our support team. And that even though you were, you know, the rocky on the top of the stairs, the, the green gray out in the field, what, the way that you, you portrayed it, you basically said, well, what am I if I don't have somebody to drop in some ammunition, you know, some food maybe, right? And then when you were injured, and I mean, that story is amazing because the guy that came to your aid was somebody that you, you weren't super fond of previously, right? right. And even that's a humbling thought. I had allowed petty little perceived differences to overcome absolute commonalities. That's a big mistake. We're never going to have a good team, a strong team like that. So you're exactly right. I should have given more credit. Uh, to the people who have always supported me to greater degrees than I've supported them. And just, I need to be more humble and, and be grateful for what I have. Well, I experience you as very humble now. So, um, you know, I think oftentimes it does take us going through a journey in order to, to really be, I mean, self-actualized is a psychology term, but, you know, to be more of what we really need. Strip away those layers of pride and, and velocity, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? But to really get down to the human who's impacting another Yes. We need, we need to be honest and intimate with each other. We need, we need to have the kind of intimacy that will allow us to confess our limitations and admit that we make mistakes and that we're fragile and that our feelings hurt. We're, we work so hard to, to create a perception that we're strong and we wind up failing because we do need people. We do need love. We do need support. 
which takes us to um, this pamphlet that you handed out. Uh, it's titled Ready for Life, a Youth Development Program. And uh, just talk to us a little bit about what is this? What do you hope for this program? My hope is for the future. Mm -hmm. And the future of anything depends on the younger generation. Mm -hmm. I've, I've beaten myself up trying to figure out a new way to say it, but the children are our future. There's not another way to say it. And, and so we all talk around the campfire about how things are messed up or they're not right. Well, we got the talking part done. It's time to do something. And so I developed a curriculum called Ready for Life. And, and it gives kids a greater toolbox, a greater way to become great citizens and great people with capabilities and, and capacity uh, to be great citizens. And instead of demanding respect, because they were born simply, mm -hmm. they can earn respect and become productive and become someone in their immediate environment that people turn to, become a leader, be more prepared. And that's what I want to give them. I don't think their confidence uh, should be a fraud. I think they should be confident because they're competent. That's so important. And again, you know, we prefaced all of that with, you know, if all of you are is, you know, that outer uh, layer of, you know, tough guy, then you're not talking to our youth. They're not going to be able to connect and impact the, their peers in the way that they really can if they are more humble and they are more service driven. And one of the other things that I really liked that you said is that, um, you know, we've gotten, I think, where it's so easy to just kind of bash the millennials, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you know, the future's just all disaster because of those darn millennials. Well, um, are we doing them or doing ourselves any favors by constantly repeating that? Or maybe we should give them some tools. Every, every generation has been harsh on the younger generation, and, and it's time that we reach out to them for, for the value that they propose. If we acknowledge that they love freedom, just like we do, they love their families, they love the same things that we love. And it's, we're wrong if we're not in the business of putting ourselves out of business and give them everything we've got. All right, well, we've got to wrap up, but I definitely want to not only encourage everyone, do yourself a favor, pick up this book, or listen to it on audiobook, this guy is actually the narrator. So it, that's how I experienced it. And it, it's, it's something special when you're hearing the author tell you in their own words, in their own voice, their story. And uh, please tell folks how they can not only get this book or listen to it on audio, but also how do they follow all that you do? Because you're a motivational speaker, you're all kinds of, uh, you're just busy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really wanting to expand uh, the Ready for Life Youth Development Program. And so I know that all of us are concerned about it, but we need to find ways to turn it into a vehicle that actually prepares young people for a greater tomorrow, the kind of tomorrow that we'll need in our senior years. Uh, I'm, I'm also very active in leadership consulting now and building team dynamics in small businesses and large ones. Uh, I'm very interested in taking this conquer anything perspective so that everybody can build their A-team and we can truly take lessons learned from the battlefield and benefit the country uh, that we fight for in the first place. Fantastic. 
fantastic. And where do we find you, like in that digital world out there? Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. uh, it's on Amazon, and, and, it, and it's on. You can get a hardcover, you can get the Kindle version, and you can get an audio book. It's also at Barnes and Noble. If you go to my website, gregstuby.com, you'll find everything there too. Fantastic. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you so much for your service to our country. And thank you for taking this time with us here today. Thank you for Gun Freedom Radio. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Much more coming up from SHOT Show 2019. from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I am asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Hi folks, I'm Don Kyle. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours too. Come in for AZ Firearms' huge gun buying event, taking place now until the end of the month. From single items to entire collections, AZ Firearms pays you the highest value for guns. Long guns, handguns, military, western, even your old brass and ammo. We buy it all. Find us online at azfirearms.com or visit us off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. Don't miss the AZ Firearms huge gun buying event. Now through the end of the month at azfirearms.com. Maybe not grandparents, right? All across. 
across this country. I mean, that is really putting your, your money where your mouth is. And so, um, you know, our favorite price ever, no matter who you are, is free. And uh, I'm pretty sure I heard you use the word free. Yes, right did. It's free. And so how would someone uh, connect? And who do they connect with? If, if they have a fire at home and they're like, yeah, I, I it wasn't thinking about it. Or I wanted to get one, but it's a little bit of money. So how would we get these on? Really easy. They can just go on the website, which is projectchildsafe.org, and there's a big button on there that says "Find a Safety Kit." Click on that, type in your city, and if we have a law enforcement agency that's a partner with us in that city, you can just go down there and pick up one free of charge. If there's not a partner there, we ask people to email us directly and let us know. Hey, I live in such a city, and we don't have a law enforcement agency. Then we can reach out to that agency and get them signed up for a partner and make lots of available in that community. That is fantastic. So you, um, you know, you're a hunter. Right? Yes. You come from the state of California, yes. so people's public, right? God bless them. You've been uh, unfortunately, all of us have watched. You know how their laws and their their rights have changed so much and been shipped away. And so I know that you're passionate about those things as well. Yes. And a big part of protecting our rights is by being safe and responsible gun owners. Right. And let's not take away from the fact that the vast majority of gun owners are safe and responsible.
everybody is practicing safe and responsible gun ownership, it not only keeps people alive, right, and accident free, but also it gives the other side that is constantly coming at us and trying to chip away at our rights, gives them less opportunities to point at our community and, and say, look, that's an example of why we think guns are bad and gun owners are irresponsible. Cheryl Todd of Gun Freedom Radio, coming to you from the 2019 SHOT Show in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. And we are excited to be sitting down today to talk with Larry Zanoff. Hello, Larry. How are you doing? I'm awesome. Thank you both so much for having me on again. Absolutely. It's going to become an annual tradition now, you know oh, that, I'm right? Up for, I'm up for that. It, it gives fine. us all a chance to sit down and rest our feet. So Especially at SHOT Show, that's the most important thing, is getting a chance to oh, sit down and rest our feet. Right? You are not kidding. So Larry Zanoff is the co-host of Hollywood Weapons Fact or Fiction on the Outdoor Channel and has what many of us would consider a dream job, also working at the Weapons Department of Independent Studio Services Props, which a lot of us in the biz know it as ISS. Exactly. Right? And that is the largest rental armory in the film and television industry providing custom weapons manufacturing actor training on-set armor services safety training and more holy cow everybody immediately out there is saying i, I want to be larry it sounds be larry? it sounds so nice when you read it like that too <laughs> and just list everything there doesn't it um well, you know, we've, we've always struggled with that as far as, you know, how do you get into this kind of an industry? It's mm -hmm. a very niche industry. Absolutely. Um, Independent Studio Services is a family-owned company. It's been around since 1977. Awesome. So we recently celebrated our 40th anniversary, right? Um, third generation is running it at this point. Uh, Aiden is going to be taking over from uh, Greg Jr. here in a little bit, and um, it's it's a really great company to work for, and because of that niche with the weapons especially, uh, we have a lot of fun. Uh, but there is no career path that you can follow to be, hey, I want to become a motion picture armorer. 
Um, I only know one guy who was a kid that wanted to do that and actually made that dream come true. Um, so it's a, it's a very difficult thing. You know, you need a lot of gunsmithing background. You need to be military or law enforcement always helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very good calm demeanor on set. In the, the movie set is a very, you know, high pressure environment. Mm. And a lot of things, a lot of moving parts going on. So it's hard to find the people with the right mix of talents, mm-hmm. you know, both to be able to be diplomatic with, let's say, a director or a star, but at the same time being able to drop the hammer down when there's a safety issue yep. and, and stepping in and saying, no, I'm sorry, you can't do this. And you got to do it in a nice way. But. So Larry, how long have you been playing, I mean, working there? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've been playing, I mean, working in the film industry uh, for about 20 years. I actually was in the firearms industry prior because uh, all I wanted to do was be a gunsmith and sit at a bench and tinker with guns. And now I deal with things like working on set and dealing with actor training and directors and export permits to film in other countries and and i haven't sat on a bench and tinkered with guns and and i don't know how long in fact just about two weeks ago i had to uh, renew my concealed carry permit and i realized that i hadn't been shooting on a range unless it was involving work for like the last year and a half. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's nice to get out there and, you know, exercise all your skills and be able to shoot all your guns and everything. But you shoot, I mean, at the studio, you guys have everything from PPKs to cannons. I mean, how do you learn to do all of that? Well, our our motto is actually from rocks to rockets. So, (laughs) you know, we have things below the PPK and things way beyond the cannon. Um, it's difficult, you know, again, there's no like class that you can go to right. to learn. So a lot of it is, is like on the job training. We, we try to find some people that maybe we see some raw talent uh, with, and then we give them what they need that you can't find in books, you can't find it at a school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, again, military and law enforcement training is, is a big help because it, you know, it gives you a little bit of background with the firearms. It gives you some structure and some discipline and being able to follow orders and things like that. Uh, yes. But it's not mandatory. You know, we have we have other skilled people who, you know, just came from the movie industry, but they gravitated towards guns. So. Well, I've watched a couple of your shows and a lot of your shows, actually. And when you work, say And I want to thank you for that, yeah, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> Watching, watch as many of those shows as you so can. Bad. It's entertaining. It's, it's good. a lot of fun. Good. But it's safety. Then it's safety, and then it's, oh, by the way, safety. Safety, yeah. You know, we've been very fortunate with Outdoor Channel. They've paired up with ISS, and and the Hollywood Weapons Show um, allows a little bit of a kind of a peek behind the curtain, uh, a a show that's literally all about behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. how you set up a test, what you do when you're on set, how we handle firearms in the film and television industry. And that has been the number one remark that we've gotten in emails and messages and things like that, you you look at it and people go, it's only a 22 minute show and it took you three days to <laughs> to film it. And then they go, but now we see why. There's there's always the safety is number one. Yes. Um, we want it to be entertaining. Uh, me and Terry both have a lot of fun working on the show and I hope it does come across, but it is work. Right. And it, it's very, very, um, it can be stressful. We're dealing with live fire. We're dealing with real explosions. Uh, sometimes there's aircraft. Sometimes there's ships. 
can't give away too much about the new upcoming mm. season, but there's going to be a lot more lots of that of stuff. Lots of costumes. Lots of costumes. And we're, we're fortunate that uh, both, that me and Terry get along very, very well together, both on and off camera. Yeah, uh, and the chemistry yeah. there yeah. is good. And Outdoor Channel has been nice enough to kind of let us run with it, too. You know, Tim and Dan and, and John, they, they've all seen what the potential is on the show there. And I think we're, we're going in a good direction. Well, I, I really is a fun show, and I highly recommend it to everyone. Uh, I do believe it's also on... Um is it on YouTube as well? Well, so what happened was um, season one and season two only aired on Outdoor Channel. And a lot of people on your basic cable box don't have Outdoor Channel. Uh, but I as bought of, it specifically so I could watch Hollywood Weapons. I'm just so appreciative. <laughs> I'm just saying it's that good. Um, it is. It is a fun show, but um, where where it's really gotten us a lot more exposure is a couple months back. It went on Netflix. Oh, Netflix. And okay. then followed up after Netflix, it's now available on Amazon Prime okay. as well. Okay. So they're they're airing season one and two on both of those. Um, cable services mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Uh, season three aired uh, January 5th on Outdoor Channel. And as soon as it runs there, I believe it's supposed to go on to Netflix as well. We already have people asking us for when is it going to, you know, season three going to be on Netflix. And we're going to start producing season four here in a couple months as well. I absolutely love it. And I mean, the Outdoor Channel has tons of great awesome content they're fantastic uh, but the the one that hooked me originally was your show um and last year i got to talk to terry shepherd who isn't at shot show this year Not this year yeah. and to you as well and it just makes it even more fun for us to watch now you know that that we've gotten to have kind of this behind the scenes look at yeah. the behind the scenes that you guys portray i, I had the uh fortunate opportunity of running into a very high-level NRA person uh, earlier this morning whose name shall remain, you know, <laughs> Name nameless. Yeah. Um, uh, but we were talking, and one of the things that we like so much about the Outdoor Channel in general, but shows like Hollywood Weapons, um, like Gun Stories with Joe Montaigne, uh, Shooting Gallery and stuff like that, it's one of the few places on any network where you can see gun ownership treated as a positive thing and shown in a positive light yes. uh, as opposed to I mean it's great to have all these big shoot 'em up movies and everything and they're great but you always have good guys and bad guys yeah. and then you're sometimes you're not sure about the message yeah. but the these shows on outdoor channel are doing a really great job of, of showing things in a very positive light and that's why we're, we're happy to be associated with it you do and it's one of the things that's really missing I think from the conversation about firearms and that sort of thing is the fun of it right you can go out and when everything is done safely then it is such pure fun and it's I've always been mystified by that too because you know if you look at things like archery you look at even polo polo was developed from knights in armor practicing with their weaponry trying to hit different targets and things like that there's there's Things that have military roots that have been successful, fencing for example, have transitioned into a sporting environment where even people that aren't into it, they're not against it necessarily. It's like, we're not afraid of swords when right. we go see a right. fencing competition, or we're not afraid of the, the mallet when we're out watching a polo game. But firearms, I think, is it's not reached that point yet. There, there's still a little bit uh, to go on that, but you're right, there, there's a lot of fun involved yes. in it. 
And I think the more people see that and do it themselves, um, that fun will, will spread out and be a little bit more universally accepted. And the Outdoor Channel is doing a great job of putting that message out there. They absolutely are. Um, so going back to how the two parts of your world tie together, uh, independent studio services, props, ISS, and the Hollywood Weapons Show, Fact or Fiction, uh, you say ISS uses the phrase from rocks to rockets. And what a perfect person yourself to bring that to the Hollywood Weapons Show because you guys really do. It's not just always about uh, can a firearm have done this scene, right? And it's sort of a, a Mythbusters type of a show. Very, very fun, very uh, lighthearted, very, very safe, where they'll take a scene from a movie, you'll take a scene from a movie, and you'll run Terry through the paces. Could it have happened? And it's not always a gun. Sometimes it, it's... Sometimes it's, it's larger armaments. Sometimes it's explosions. I think that um, Tim Kremen and Dan Ram uh, deserve a lot of the credit for coming up with that concept of, of that show. Um, it is first and foremost really supposed to be kind of educational. Yes, and it is. In that we show what is really possible and what not. Um, I was happy and, and very feel very blessed to be asked to do it because it is what I do. I do this on movie sets. I do this for real. We are involved in some military and law enforcement training, you know, because of the weaponry that we have. And so to be able to, to take that and then put it into a show like Hollywood Weapons, I think, first of all, it, it loaned it a little bit of legitimacy. Mm -hmm. People who have seen me possibly doing interviews on like gun stories and other shows, they, they look at Hollywood Weapons and they go, oh yeah, that guy's for real, I've seen him on another show and he talked about whatever. So even though the two shows are different, Gun Stories is like a very documentary type show and granted Hollywood Weapons is a little bit more entertaining. Um, I think that the formula that we came up with or that, that Tim and Dan came up with uh, has been very, very successful, and both myself and ISS being able to be involved in that is, has been a golden opportunity. It's wonderful, and one of the uh, fun, gosh, am I going to be giving it away? It had one of the fun stunts that you uh, portrayed had to do with swashbuckling pirates. Can so that, so that, that, so that episode already aired. That was the premiere episode of season three, uh, aired on, on January 5th. You can still see it in, in reruns. Um, it was basically a takeoff of uh, the Black Pirate, you know, silent movie, I think in 1923, Douglas Fairbanks Sr. movie. Fantastic uh, stunts that were done in the movie originally. They, did, of course, didn't have our technology nowadays. But we replicated two uh, major ones. One, of course, riding down the sail with that's, with a knife, which is the iconic the one. one. Like, and oh the other one gosh. was splitting a, a ship's mast with a cannonball. Um, and we were successful on both of them. Uh, it was really interesting to see the whole uh, cannon dynamic yeah. uh, involved in it. Uh, it was a first for us, even at ISS, because we've always used those cannons as props, but we never really fired any of them. Mm -hmm. And they're real cannons, so we, we took it to the next level and said, yep, yeah, we can do that. And so Dan wrote the script around it, and I guess I can already say that this, we did manage to knock over the mask, right? Because right? it's already aired. It's, but you still you should, have to see You it. should watch it you so you can see how it happens, yes. because it is very entertaining. <laughs> Larry, did you get to uh, try the mask thing yourself? I did not, nor was I interested to. <laughs> um, I, you know, me and Terry, again, we, we kind of have this chemistry, 
and he he always puts it nicely that I'm kind of the adult in the room. Right. At first, I used to take offense at that, actually, but I mean that's that's the I way the characters because we're playing characters in a way. Um, but that that's kind of that's not my part of the show right. to, to do that. I keep getting emails and people go like, why don't you get to wear a costume? Why don't you, you know, something like that. Your uh, character would probably not wear yeah. a costume. You know, there is, so is, there is one incident a in, a, uh, in the last episode that aired just this, just this Saturday uh, that is was scripted by Dan and, and John Carter pushed for this. Uh, it is totally out of character. They have me you know, coming into a, a car wash, actually, and it's supposed to be that I'm on the weekend, I'm not working, and Terry, of course, pops up and, and spooks me, and, and I've got the, the ugliest Hawaiian shirt that you could ever imagine. I have that shirt. You know, yeah. And uh, it was kind of out of character, but you know what? The way they had it set up, it, it came across pretty it. well. So I love uh, it. It, it's nice to throw some entertainment in there sometimes. Well, I can't call Terry Terry anymore. I have to call him Columbo. Oh, then yeah. you do a fantastic he did job. He yeah. Terry, you know, first of all, uh, he's good at acting. There's, there's no doubt about that. But that episode, the '70s cop show yeah. episode, was actually like one of his brainchilds. We, we all, it, it's such a collaborative effort on the show between everyone. But you can't always take all the ideas. And that particular one, the '70s cop shows, uh, was his idea. And we developed it pretty well. I mean, the scene with the chips, yes. you, know, the, you know, shaps. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it was just absolutely hilarious. Awesome. It came off really, really well. And you need to watch that show because then you'll know whether or not you can shoot a 357 Magnum through a car door. Mm. It was awesome. you, you never know when you might need to do that. So you have to tune in. <laughs> Outdoor Channel, Hollywood Weapons, and we have the answers for you. Yeah. I love it. Well, one last uh, question here. Sure. So we're talking about, you know, with Hollywood Weapons, you are using actual live uh, rounds, live yep. ammunition. Shooting live explosions. Weapons. Yeah, live explosions, firing real cannonballs. But in the movies that you've worked on, uh, there are certain challenges involved with making everything look real but yet with using yeah. blanks. So when we do television shows and big feature films, shoot em, shoot em ups and things like that, basically we're creating the illusion of gunfire. We shoot everything with blanks. We do not ever, ever, ever have live ammunition on a set. Mm -hmm. It's one of our own uh, kind of self-governed rules and regulations of the, the film industry. Absolutely. So we've got to make the guns work on blanks. Um, they weren't designed to work on blanks. They were designed to work with live ammunition. Right. So there's a challenge there, both a visual one to make it look like real gunfire. There's kind of a challenge with physics because, you know, when you're familiar, of course, with let's say a semi-automatic handgun, the slide moving back and forth, it doesn't know whether it's got a blank in the gun or a live round. All it knows is it needs X amount of energy to move the slide the four or five inches or whatever it is that, that it needs to move. So without a bullet, a projectile to build pressure up behind, we have to come up with a new internal mechanism that will allow it to run on blanks. Uh, the big misconception out there that a lot of people have is, well, what do you mean? You just you either load it with live rounds or you load it with blanks and it works just the same, right? No, it, it does not. And so at Independent Studio Services, we've actually 
come up with or um, how should I put it? We've invented a whole new technology. Uh, it's not only us, there's other companies out there that do it, but our gunsmiths and, and our technicians, we plan out certain things. We come up with ways to trick the mechanisms into functioning reliably on blanks. And one of the interesting things about being an on-set armorer, a motion picture armorer, is, and I can say this because I come from the real world, you know, involving weapons as well, if you're in law enforcement or you're in the military or private security or whatnot, and you're carrying a firearm, and you get into a gunfight, and your firearm malfunctions because of bad ammunition or the weapon got dirty or, you know, who knows what it might be, you're trained to clear the malfunction and keep on with the fight. In a film, when we're, when we're filming something, you know, you could have helicopters overhead, you could have special effects explosions going off, it takes four or five hours to reset all of that. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars in time to get that done. So if you've got all this going on and then the scene goes wrong because the gun jam or oh, malfunctioned, uh, yeah. the actor's not trained to clear it, nor do we want them to. We don't want to see a malfunction, you know, on camera, um, it, it creates a situation where we're actually striving for more reliability on a film set than you even would in the real world. And a, a little odd, but it is the so truth. And a lot of the actors, they, they've never handled a gun before, except in the movies. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's varying levels of competency. Some of them are recreational shooters on their own. They do, they do pretty good. But even, but even ones who have fired guns before, they've never fired, you know, a belt-fed machine gun while dangling out of a Huey helicopter, <laughs> right? They, these are not oh, things Oh, I do that, it all the time. Well, no. we do that, you know, and, and, you know, you swore you'd never tell them. Oh, shoot. But, um, you know, e even people who are recreational shooters, they don't get the, like, just think about this, the ability to shoot out of the window of a moving car. Yeah. You have to go to a tactical school or be in the military or be in law enforcement right. to ever even get to that point. And now you have actors that you're asking them to do this or stunt people that you're asking them to do this. Even if they're shooters, they, they, they can't drive their car onto a range in practice. Right. So that's another one of the things that the motion picture armor does. We take the actors out, we train them, we let them practice, we get them comfortable with you know the different weapon systems. And sometimes we determine whether or not they're capable of doing the, the specific scene, you might need you know, double stunt or double or, or something. We, we had a, an interesting case with one uh, actor who just wound up having very small hands. It's just the way he is and he had small hands. He had a lot of difficulty flipping the safety on one of the weapons and they were doing what we call an insert shot where it's like a close-up of just, you know, the hand moving the safety. And we had to use a double Mm -hmm. who wound up being the armorer. So mm -hmm. the armorer gets into wardrobe because you see the sleeve mm -hmm. or the watch and it's that armorer's finger flipping the lever back and forth. And then does he get a film credit then, the armorer? Yeah, <laughs> somehow that never happens, you know. Uh, I keep telling Dan on Hollywood Weapons, he calls me with, you know, asks me questions and I'm like, do I get a writing credit for this? Am I still there just the go. armorer? I like what, it. What's going on with that? I like how you But you, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because um, I think I, you know, last year when you were so gracious to, to ask me on, I, I mentioned this, making a film or a television show or whatever is, is like building a mosaic. 
Every department, every person, every position spends hours just polishing one little stone. That's their one stone in the mosaic. And then the editor takes all these little stones and they build this beautiful picture that is the movie that hopefully the viewing public goes out and enjoys and watches over and over and over again and, and then buys the DVD and then buys the Blu-ray and you know keeps on going. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, so it doesn't really matter who gets the credit. The, the film industry is actually much smaller than most people realize. And within the industry, Everybody knows who did what. And so when you, you film something and yeah, you didn't get the credit because you can look on like our IMDB pages. Mm -hmm. Usually you don't get a credit until you're like a member of the crew and you've been out on set for 16, 17 weeks okay. or whatever. Yeah. If sometimes the armorer comes in for what's called day playing and he's there for one day out of 16 weeks, you're not gonna get a screen credit from the company for that. But everybody knows, hey, that one stunt when the parasail flew through the air and they did a flip with the Mac 10, that was you out there running that, right? And yeah, you can say that. And so that's kind of where we get our repeat customers sure. from. So out of all the guns that you've worked with, what's been the most difficult for you to uh, set up for blanks? Um, to set up for blanks, I would say the, the Desert Eagle is the most challenging mechanically because of the gas system and all the things that we have to do to it. By the same token, we've developed a way of doing it that's, that's very reliable. And visually, when you see it, as far as a handgun goes, it's probably the most spectacular too. Big handgun, lots of muzzle flash. But um, as far as... as Guns in film being the most difficult, I'd have to say that there was a show where I was dealing with a Japanese matchlock, and there is no such thing as a blank for black powder guns. You're still pouring powder down the muzzle, you still have to put a wad in, we're just not loading a lead ball. And man, I, I'm glad they invented better things than matchlocks because <laughs> we wouldn't be able to fight wars you know, with those. It's amazing what they were able to do with those back in the day. Absolutely. Well, we've got to wrap up. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for... Thank you so much for having me. It's always good seeing you guys. Absolutely. Uh, I think our feet have recovered a little bit. Maybe we're ready to hit it and get back out there. Maybe you are. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I just need another checkbook, Cheryl. Yeah. No, you, uh, you're on probation from... Uh, Can I get a checkbook? again how can they uh, you know get a hold of ISS studio services if they need them how do they watch Hollywood weapons factor fiction how do they get uh, connected with the outdoor channel how do they follow everything you do so um, independent studio services we have a website uh, we do not rent to individuals. It's something really, really important that everyone out there should understand. We're an industry company. You have to set up accounts. There's certificates of insurance involved. There's all kinds of liability issues. So we only cater to the industry, sure. although we cater to law enforcement and military as well in some smaller capacities. Okay. Um, if you're opening up a production, even if it's an independent film, we are one of the few companies left that will actually work with students awesome. at film schools who are making student films. So all you gotta do is call us up, you'll get the receptionist, the phone number is on the website. 
whether you need props or you need graphics or you need video or you need weaponry, whatever it might be, you call up the receptionist, they'll get you to the right um, uh, spot. On the website, each department has phone numbers as well that you can, you know, contact, you know, contact Carl, contact Larry, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, so we're always we're always happy to do that, and that's international. By the way, we ship guns all over the world. We send armors with the guns all over the world. Um, so that that's pretty easy. Um, as far as uh, Hollywood Weapons goes, it's on Outdoor Channel. Uh, I think the new run episodes run every Saturday at this point, and then throughout the week they have reruns. You can see it also on Netflix which has been a great boon for us, as well as on Amazon Prime at this point. More importantly than where you can see it is the show itself is based on viewer input. We want to hear your ideas. We want you to call in and you know get onto the Outdoor Channel website. There's a place where you can leave comments about you know Hollywood weapons. You can make suggestions. This next season coming up, we're going to have kind of a new segment, which is really, really exciting, where we're actually going to read off suggestions from different viewers. And if your suggestion got picked and we actually tested, you might get a ball cap or a t-shirt, so you know, fun. that says Hollywood Weapons. So we really are dependent on you guys, not only because, you know, it gives us different options, but we want to give you what you want to see. So if we don't hear from you, we're just going to do what we want to yes. see, right? <laughs> but um, which you'll still like anyway, yes. believe me. But please, you know, write in, leave emails, things like that, and and then you know it's a little bit more interactive and a lot more fun. Oh, I love it. Uh, that's fantastic. Thank you again so much, My Larry Zanoff. Thank you very it. much, thank Larry. You thanks so for what you do, Danny. Thank All you. All right, stick around. We have much more coming up from the 2019 Shot Show in Las Vegas with Gun Freedom Radio. Well, holy cow, what a fun week we've had. What a fun show that was to put together. Um, Dan, do you have any final thoughts? You didn't get to do your commentary. There's no way I can be calm when I'm at the SAR sh I mean, the SHOT show. How can I be calm? <laughs> you cannot. And See, I'm I taking... can't even say the name right because I'm so, like, I still have some more stuff to get, Cheryl. That's true. I need to take your checkbook and your pen away. It, there is no checkbook <laughs> left. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. We want to thank our awesome guests. I mean, truly incredible people who bless our lives, make us better people by knowing them. Um, thank you to our listeners. The work that we do here, it's hard to call it work, honestly. It's a joy. But what we do here wouldn't matter at all if you didn't uh, take your time, spend it listening, sharing the message around your dinner tables, in your carpool, you know, around the water cooler. Uh, we appreciate you so much, our listeners, our tech crew. They're amazing, helping us every single week. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? All of them, Dan. Have you been hearing what those right restrictors have been doing lately? <laughs> and you still want me to pray for all of You're saying every one of them, right? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, had, I had to think a minute on that one. But yes, all of them, Dan. Even the ones you don't like. Especially the ones you don't like. Okay. <laughs> Be good to each other. Have a great week. 
pray that I get my voice back again after talking all week. And God bless. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.